0: Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman.
1: Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. This morning, our guest is Jack Kelly, an experienced recruiter and advocate for job seekers, If you're looking for ways to accelerate your job search, you are listening to the right podcast. Jack,
2: welcome to Career Central. Well, thank you. I'm I'm so happy to be here.
1: We are so glad to have you here. Um, Can we start by you sharing with our audience um, about your career path? i like people to know how you got started so that they can figure out how they can get to where you are.
2: Um, I don't know if the story will make them feel comfortable that they're going to get to where they are because I kind of stumbled into doing recruiting. So basically, you have to fail at a whole lot of things, and then you don't have a lot of other options. And then when you go to a recruiter and they say to you, hey, would you like to do recruiting? And you think, well, you know, I tried a whole lot of other things. They didn't work out. Hmm, let me give it some thought. And I'm not being facetious with this, Lorraine. This This is kind of what happened. And I always harbored um, the dreams of of starting my own business. And so I I was interested in talking further with this recruiter about becoming a recruiter, not necessarily the recruiting aspect, but thinking, hey, this is something that maybe I could turn into my own business. Because with recruiting, you don't have a factory. Um, It's not a a restaurant. We have food and tables and things of that nature. All you really need are some desks, a phone, an office, and you could be in business. And um, a friend of mine... I told about, uh, told about this uh, interaction, and he said, oh, as fate would have it, I, uh, a very good friend of mine who I grew up with runs a search firm. And he made an introduction. I met with his friend, and he did. He ran one of the largest search firms in New York City at the time. And he was just such a nice guy, and he was gracious with his time. And I looked around the office, and I'm like, hey, this, this looks great. And because he was so down-to-earth, Lorraine, I figured, you know what? If he could do it, I can do it. And then I went back and, you know, talked to my wife about it, and you know, I gave it a shot. And then it just was like one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and it's so interesting because I have to admit, if the person who I met with around the search firm was this kind of Brad Pitt, George Clooney, super suave, charismatic, cool guy. My whole life would have been different. It could have been, I could have been like, oh, you know what? I'm not, I'm not like those guys. This is not going to work. So I'm not going to even try. But because he's such a down to earth, regular person, I, I could do it. And then I started recruiting, became a partner at a search firm. Then about uh, about a couple of years later, around uh, time of 9-11, I said, you know what? For various reasons, I wanted, you know, being a partner is one thing, but sometimes that doesn't really mean you're kind of could be a name only and said, you know, I did this because I really wanted to start it. And I launched, you know, my search firm and yes, about what, 20 something years later. And it's great. It is fantastic. So I guess, I guess for uh, the people listening, it is a kind of combination of things. It's reaching out to people to seek advice, asking kind of leveraging your contacts to give you some information not being afraid to go and talk to people and pick their brains, being comfortable with taking that risk. So, in a way, I guess that does fit with a lot of the people who are watching and listening to this are going through, and when they're trying to navigate and decide what to do next.
1: I want to reinforce a couple of things you said because they are topics that we've talked about um, early or in uh, earlier programs. Um, one is that lead came through networking and I emphasize so much how important it is to network. And you shared a friend introduced you mm-hmm. to someone who got you started on that path.
2: Mm-hmm. If that didn't happen, Laurie, seriously, I, I don't, you know, different life, Yeah, whole, whole different ball game.
1: Network. And then the other thing I want to emphasize is that you, you explored it. You talked to somebody, you figured out that the person you were speaking with was somebody that you would like to be around that you'd like to work with. Mm-hmm. So you found a comfortable, um, position, a comfortable profession. And we've been taught, we talk a lot about that, how important networking is, but also how important it is to sort of try on a job. Just, you know, don't look at the ad and say, Oh, gee, I want to be a recruiter. Go and talk to a recruiter and find out what they do. So I just want to thank you for, um, emphasizing or reinforcing some of the things that we talk about a lot on this show, networking, trying on and exploring. But now let's focus in on what you do. You are an external recruiter and for some of our listeners, that may be a new term or all recruiters are, you know, are, you know, blended together. So tell us what an external recruiter does.
2: So, yeah, I I think one of the biggest challenges that people have in their search is that they feel, Hey, I should reach out to a recruiter. People tell them to reach out to a recruiter, but they're really not sure like what the recruiter does. And oftentimes it ends in bad feelings where they feel like this recruiter ghosted me or this recruiter just didn't give me the time of the day. What a jerk. And um, just to give you a really quick back of the envelope, you have different kinds of recruiters. The vast majority are what they call contingent recruiters, contingency recruiters. And that was, what that means is this, they'll be called from, let's say, JP Morgan Citigroup, and they'll say, hey, Jack, we need to fill a certain job and give me the job description, the compensation, give some color on it. And then myself and my company, we would go and try to find that person. But at the same time they give it to me, they're giving it to maybe three other search firms and they're posting it online. They're gonna post it on ZipRecruiter. Indeed, they're gonna post it on their own site. They're gonna have their own internal talent acquisition looking at the same time. So then it becomes a foot race. So we get that assignment and we need to get that person, that candidate before anyone else does, because the way they're compensated, and I'm gonna give you a little inside baseball here that uh, my recruiter friends are all gonna be mad at me for giving this all away. So what happens is usually there's a placement fee. I mean, usually there's a placement fee that the companies pay, and It could range from 20 to 25% of the base annual salary. So there's a big financial incentive for someone to go out there and find that winning candidate. And if you don't find that winning candidate, all the time and effort you spent, and it takes a lot of time and effort. It looks kind of easy, but it's, it's really hard to find because if, if a company is going out and paying money to an outside recruiting firm, they want to get their money's worth, as you can imagine. So they want to get that perfect, perfect, amazing candidate. So now when you get in touch with a recruiter, if you understand their financial motivation, it all makes sense. Because if let's say I'm contacting Lorraine, because I have, this big podcast, Joe Rogan is looking to get a co-host and I'm getting a hold of Lorraine and she fits what he's looking for. I'm gonna try my hardest to persuade her to go on an interview, to meet with Joe Rogan, to to go on the interview and do all that. And if anything, I'll probably be annoyingly kind and nice and and doing whatever it takes to get her interest. Conversely, if let's say there's a candidate who just doesn't fit, they they never had a podcast, uh, their personality is not as nice and pleasant as Lorraine's, but they're saying, I could do the job, I could do the job. A recruiter would would either, rude ones, would even give it time of day. Others would just give it very short shrift because they feel the more time I spend with somebody who's not the right fit for that job, takes me away from finding the winning candidate and someone else will get the placement and not me. So if you're in that spot where you feel you are brushed off by somebody, It really means that the recruiter doesn't have the right job for you at the right time and your background doesn't fit for the job at the right time but instead of saying that a lot of times in this kind of rude culture we're in lately they just ghost you and just kind of walk away and that can kind of explain why you see those things um and then you could also see why you wonder sometimes why are these recruiters just just going after me well because they have a job that they know if you, they could get you to move they're going to make a lot of money on it get a nice commission so they're yeah they're going to be non-stop um, so those are big then you have the c-suite the retained search they usually go for chief uh, operating officers uh, chief executive officers and the like and then you have staffing those are the ones who place people in temporary roles contract roles temporary roles kind of short-term consultants but the most part that you probably see is that contingency type of person. Okay. Does that help give kind of a, a, a picture of what they do and what's?
1: Well, I, I, it really does. And I think it's important to reinforce the fact that this is how, you know, recruiters make their living by placing people. It's, it's, we've talked to internal recruiters who basically make a salary and, you know, they can work at their own pace and they're looking for great folks, but the external recruiter again has to scramble, has to move as quickly as they can to, um, to hit their income goal. So that's very, very helpful. And I think hopefully our listeners are starting to see that picture of if somebody contacts you, the urgency because, you know, they don't have that six weeks to, to to fill a position. They need to get a candidate right away. So if can you just talk us through how a recruiter finds somebody to reach out? Then just walk us through the whole process.
2: Sure. Like what I would do is this. Let's say the kind of jobs we would work on, are what you call compliance. These are people for, uh, that work on Wall Street primarily, hedge funds, private equity, investment banks. And they're the ones who keep it safe to make sure people aren't trading on insider information. They're not trying to launder money through the bank for terrorist organization or for organized crimes means. So it's almost like the police officers you know, in banking in Wall Street. So let's say I get a job order from an investment bank and they're looking for somebody who is, um, let's just take a very straight, uh, let's say a branch examiner, meaning that that person is gonna go to the different locations of the company to make sure they're doing everything the right way. So then we figure out, okay, and let's say for the sake of conversation, it's a, uh, Morgan Stanley, which is a top Wall Street investment bank. We're gonna think, all right, when companies hire, Usually, they want to hire people who are within the same tier type of company. And this is not just Wall Street across the board. They'll be open to maybe a rung underneath because then they'll understand they want to come up. They'll be a little suspicious if they're coming from a couple steps up to come down, but they'll still look at it. So, we'll try to find people who fit within that tier, maybe some a little higher, some at the same level, some a little lower. Then we try to kind of say, okay, within the salary parameters of what they're looking for, within the geography, Let's kind of look who fits that mold. So then you will look at other companies within that sector. So maybe you look at Citigroup, you look at JP Morgan, you look at Deutsche Bank, Barclays, you say, okay, here are the companies that are very similar. And let's make this up. They're looking for someone 10 years experience and is a VP and is going to pay 150,000. So then we try to kind of hone in on that market. For someone like us, who've been doing a long time, we have a huge inventory of people. So we can go to our database of people that we've built up a network and a connection over the course of time. But then also we'll go on LinkedIn and search for people to see who does that, who has that background, who falls within that area. We'd ask people that we know, hey, do you know someone who fits it? Here's what we're looking for. We'll you know, send you know, notes to the people who are on LinkedIn. Um, I'm old school, so I'm not averse to go try to you know cold call them and say, hey, I have this role, let's talk. But it really boils down to they try to, recruiters because the companies have a higher expectation when they're using a recruiter than let's say an ad post because they're paying more money for it. So they want to find that perfect candidate. You know, if they have 12, 15 bullet points on the job description, they want you to have like 20 of them. They want someone to really, especially in times like this, they want to have someone who could just hit the ground running. So then we try to just narrow it down and find those people who are perfect, perfect, right fit for the job, you know, speak with them, pre-COVID have a face-to-face meeting now have kind of a zoom call just to see did, would they be compatible with the company? Do they have the same kind of fit and then get kind of a short list of candidates that we submit, uh, will submit to the company.
1: Let's explore a little bit about the database of clients already have. How do, how do people get there and how do they stay there so that you know that they're possible candidates?
2: Um, combination one thing i'm a hoarder so i'll always <laughs> I'll always keep resumes i'll even keep i'll even keep older resumes because sometimes they may move on and i don't know they moved on but i still have their phone numbers and emails and their work number maybe they're not there but then the person who is there has the same phone number so that i can recruit them for another job so i i keep i keep hold of everything but we get it through a, a, there's no there's no one magic bullet it's kind of holistic it's uh one, over time, just putting it together. Um, um, putting Over the years, we put ads on Indeed or or LinkedIn or back in the day, career builder monster um, to to attract people You know, when we advertise our, our thing. We um, we have a newsletter that goes out that gives all sorts of information in this space, but then we've also put our jobs on there. So this way it attracts people as well. And then over the years, just reaching out for different roles to call people, cultivating those relationships, building that network, staying in touch with people so that, you know, there there's this, so it, it stays, it, it's, it doesn't get stagnant. You know, you want to kind of keep in touch with everybody. So they're comfortable calling in, Hey, Jack, well, I saw you have this role or Hey, do you have this type of role? Or Hey, a friend of mine is looking, do you have a job for her? And so on. So once not only is it network, but it's, it's, it's kind of keeping it, alive and vital.
1: So I think I hear you saying that if someone is in that database, it's okay for them to reach out and check check in with you and say, hey, Jack, I've changed my phone number. You know, I just got a promotion, but, you know, it was great working with you. Should it be a two-way street?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I would suggest strongly that for people who are seeking out and, and need, you know, need that extra help, for Getting a recruiter. Number one, you don't have to worry. These reputable recruiters, they don't charge you. The companies pay for it. And if someone does say, "Hey, you have to pay me," I'm not saying they're doing anything illegal, but I would just have your antenna up to see because that's not the standard. What happens, and when you get to markets like this, unfortunately, it brings out questionable types of folks. So just be uh, a little leery. You know, if someone asks you for money for something. Uh, but but that being said. Yeah, it should be a two-way street, and, and I'll tell you why, because you may not know that Lorraine is, you know, maybe I spoke, the last time I spoke to you was three months ago, and you're like, I'm super happy, everything's going great. But then, two and a half months later, something happens, your boss said something, the company, something's wrong, and now you're active, I'm not going to know that. I'm going to think, okay, you're still happy. So I would encourage you, you want to reach out. To your, your your recruiter, and you don't have to have one. You can find two, three good ones that who could keep an eye out for you, and then let them know and say, "Hey, Jack, I've you know things were going really well. There's some changes to the company. I don't think um, I have a you know a long term future there. I want to pursue other options. Let's talk."
1: Oh. would you advise that people reach back out to the um, the recruiter that ghosted them or didn't get back to them? Is that kind of like, you don't want to work with those folks or you accept the fact they were rushed and maybe try and reconnect?
2: That's a good question. You know, it's, I'll put it this way. I've had people who I've got job uh, offers for, they're going to start on a Monday and Sunday night, I get that call. Not even a call, I get a voicemail because they're calling like three in the morning saying, oh, hey, yeah, about that job. I'm sorry. Um I got, another, I got a I got a counteroffer. I got another offer, so I'm going with that. But uh, thanks anyway. Have a good day. Now, <laughs> it would be very easy for me to say you're dead to me. You know, like what was that guy from Shark Tank? Oh, right? I love that. Yeah, you're dead, right? dead to <laughs> me. You're de- is no dealer I, I now do I feel that? Yes. But then what happens if time goes on and there's a job that the personal fit? I'm gonna I'm gonna swallow my pride, put aside any uh, ill will. And get a hold of that person because all right it didn't work then but why would i penalize myself because it didn't work in the past so i would say it's the same thing with a candidate to give the benefit of the doubt maybe the recruiter had a bad day maybe they had some sort of family emergency maybe they got distracted and then they were embarrassed to call back because they didn't and time progressed i would give that person a shot even if you did feel at the time really ticked off, just like I felt, you know, would feel ticked off, And those are, kind of, Lorraine, that happens quite often yeah. where you get those calls. So I would say, hey, give them another shot. Now, if they prove to be a jerk the second time around, <laughs> then you know, okay, you know what? My first instincts were right. Jack doesn't know what he's talking about and I should not even bother. Why did I put myself up for that? But now you know, you know, so I, I'm a big believer. You know what? People make mistakes. People do boneheaded things. People sometimes say things they don't mean. Give the benefit of the doubt. Live and let live. Give them another shot. And I, and the proof is, I can't tell you how many people I have placed where the initial contact went that way. You know, they didn't take an offer. They whatever it is. But by keeping an open mind. So for you know for job seekers, yeah, keep an open mind. The very worst that happens, it confirms that, hey, this is not someone I want to work for. And you feel better. Then you're like, okay, you know what? I know.
1: All right. We are going to take a very short break. Then we come back and continue to tap into um, Jack's expertise. And specifically, we're going to talk about how you can build a positive relationship when a recruiter reaches out to you. We'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career Transition Specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success career restart practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss available at amazon.com click the link on the career central show page to pick up your copy today
2: have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back to Career Central. This is Lorraine Beeman, and we're having a wonderful conversation with Jack Kelly, a very accomplished external recruiter and advocate for job seekers. Before the break, we were talking a lot about what an external recruiter does, how they're compensated, um, how to build that relationship. But now I'd like to talk about or ask Jack when a recruiter contacts you, you know, phone rings and says, you know, hi, Jack, you know, I've got this position. I'm interested. What should the the candidate do? How how do you instantly build that relationship when you've got that first call?
2: That's a good question. You know, now ironically, it's easier that everybody's working from home, so you don't have that awkward, okay, I can't talk now. Can I go outside <laughs> or uh, hold on one second? I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna go to the elevator you know, and then everybody in the office is like looking, I know, what I know what he's doing. He's speaking to a recruiter. He's that's why he's going outside. So you don't have that. What I would suggest is this, let's say a recruiter calls. I know nowadays you're expecting a robo call talking about your warranty on your car, or whatever it is. So that's what you can think it is. Pick up the call. And then if it's a recruiter, yeah, you're going to be caught off your game a little unarmed. If you're, you're, if you're my age, which is like, you know, over 40 ish, uh, you're used to being on the phone. If you're younger, I get, you're not really comfortable on the phone, but let's say they call you. What you wanna do is you wanna have it you're ready, kind of a little bit of an elevator pitch. So if they have a conversation, you can really articulate who you are, what you do, what you've been doing and what you're looking to do next. So this way for both sides, it really just makes it a better relationship because this way the recruiter knows, yes, that's perfect. You're right up my alley. This is what I was looking for, great. Or it could be maybe, You're not, because this happens all the time. I'll call someone, contact them, thinking they're perfect. But then as we start talking, I realize, oh, you're LinkedIn. I kind of thought one thing, I see why I did and No, you do something different, but that's fine because you made the relationship. You realize this job may not be the right one, but you made, you know, a connection that is close enough that there could be future jobs together that you could work on. But the key is, you know, if you can't talk at that particular time, it's okay. You just don't want to get all weird about it. You could just say, hey, Lorraine, thanks for the call. I mean, really, I can't really talk right now, but I definitely would love to talk with you. Can we set up a time? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you my email address. You can send me some time, what have you, and let's talk. Because the key is, the whole relationship is, like any other relationship, do you feel comfortable with the other person? Do, do, do you trust the other person? Is this someone that you feel would be a good advocate for you to champion your cause, to negotiate a salary for? And if you feel comfortable, then yeah, then it makes sense to keep having a conversation. If you don't trust the person and you think they're a little shady, a little shifty, a little whatever, then you know what? Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Ask for the contact number, and then maybe what you do is you ask around to some some colleagues. Hey, have you ever that you trust? You don't want to blow up your spot. Hey, have you ever dealt with this guy Jack? What do you think? And then maybe if you hear something different, you can say, Oh, huh. All right, maybe I didn't give the person a fair shot. Let, let, let me try again. If you hear people say, yeah, I I don't know. He didn't really help me out. Oh, he blew me off. Then you're like, yeah, that was my gut feeling. So, all right, thanks.
1: Let's dissect a little bit of what you said because you you made some really great points. Um, First of all, it's okay to say, gee, can I call you back later? In other words, if this is not a good time, the recruiter's not going to go, oh, well, I'm sorry if you can't talk to me, the deal is off. So...
2: Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, you know how sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a blow-off or not.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I even prefer when someone says, like literally when people tell me, point out, hey, Jack, I'm not blowing you off. I am interested. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. we all know what happens when someone says, oh, I can't talk now. Oh, I have a yeah. meeting. Okay. The first thing, come on, listen, the first thing comes in everyone's mind. All right, you're just blowing me off. Which is okay if that's really what it is, but sometimes you're not sure. So sometimes you say, hey, just be very forward. <laughs> hey, I am interested. I do want to talk to you. But right now isn't the time but yes, please let, let's reconnect. Then the person's like, oh, okay, I get it. And if you really are busy, you don't wanna force it because it's really uncomfortable. If, you know, let's say I'm, I'm calling you Lorraine and then you're like, okay, here's what I do. I do this and then here's what I do. And I'm like, what? And you're like, oh, I do this and this is what I do. I'm like, what did you say? And then it's just so uncomfortable and awkward for both of us that it's just it, it's just not even worth, you know what I mean? It's not worth, it. we're better off saying, you know what? It's not working. Let's find a better time where we can have a, a normal human conversation and we'll, we'll we'll do it then.
1: So it's OK to say, um, Jack, I'd really like to talk to you. Yes. I got to go on Zoom yeah. in two minutes with my boss. Yeah. Can we reconnect later? So An honest response. Yeah.
2: As long as they know that it, it's not a blow, because most people I think most people think that's a blow off. But as long as you just I would just point out, tell them, hey. I am interested. I'm not, I am not blowing you off. I'm interested. Let's talk again. So this way, they are like, okay. All right.
1: Okay. You touched on another one of my favorite topics is being prepared with that 30 second me or that description of yourself yes. um, actually was listening to something on a major television channel. They were talking to somebody had been laid off and they said, you know, you've got millions of people listening to you. Why don't you share with what you do? And they went, into why they couldn't find a job, and I thought, what an opportunity blown! And i right wow. now, when so many people are struggling with being laid off, you know that call could go to somebody who just found they were out, they were laid off, and so they're not in the best mindset. I always think if they have that thirty second me ready to go, the conversation will keep going. So, to make a long story short, what do you want to hear in that? Tell me about what you're doing.
2: See, the the, the thing is, they could just say, "Hey." Um, I'll make something up. Hey, you know, I'm the head of a search firm that specializes in Wall Street, placing in compliance, legal risk. I'm looking to leave because of X, Y, and Z, and I'd be interested in this type of role. Just something so that the other person on the end of the phone is like, oh, okay, I get it. It makes sense. And that's the kind of jobs we recruit for, and those are the kind of jobs we have. And yeah, that's perfect. So something that could really just cut through the chase. And I, I can't agree with you more, Lorraine, especially now, it's always been this way, but I think it's more pronounced now, that what ends up happening is that when people... Let's be honest. We're human. And, and if you get rejected time and time again, it just beats you down and wears you down. So it's, it's normal and reasonable just to just feel jaded and angry and resentful. So then whether it's a, if you get a call from a recruiter or anyone else for that matter, if you come across that way, it's, just, it's just going gonna, gonna to be a big turnoff. And then what happens is the recruiter will be like, okay, hey, thanks Lorraine, it was nice meeting you, goodbye. And then Lorraine's gonna feel, oh, here we go again. I just got ghosted again, this sucks. But they don't realize, and I'm not victim shaming or anything, trust me, please believe me, I yeah. am not at all. I'm just trying to give some just helpful advice is that you may not uh, be aware of it. And, and if you're not, I, I I would ask some trusted friends, family members, how you come across. Because if you come across angry, depressed, ticked off, which is all reasonable to feel in this environment, it's, it's, it's not a good selling point. So you have to kind of, you gotta to have to figure out how to, how to work on that. And then it's not easy. And then you need to kind of turn it on. Like, hey, thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. Hey, here's what I did. I've, I've been responsible for A, B, C, and D. I've been looking for a few months. I had, you know, different, you know, came close to a lot, but i'm really excited you call because i love the job that you have and and the companies you work with and i think we could be a good fit now even that's your outside voice your inside voice might be like ah oh, we might be going through this again but you just you don't want, you don't want them to know that you wanted to know that outside voice of yeah I'm a, I, I, you know what just because I'm in between jobs doesn't mean I'm not a It doesn't mean that I don't have a lot hey I have some other interviews lined up I've, I'm I'm really close to a few others so yeah let's talk about this cuz this could be better and I'm I'm still open until I sign an agreement with another company let's talk so you want to communicate that you you know you're, you, you're attractive as a candidate you're in demand Within reason, you don't be over the top because then they'll kind of know. But you want you want to you want to straddle that where it's enough where they feel oh wow this this person's good yeah and again then you're tapping into that recruiter's desire to make a placement and get a commission so they're like oh all right if this person because think about this if that person on the call comes across like a winner and a take charge person someone who knows how to sell themselves they're thinking huh. That means in the interview, they're going to know how to sell themselves. They're going to know how to market themselves. They could close the deal. They can get an offer and I get paid and we're all happy and this is good. So that's what you want to project when they call you.
1: So I'm taking from that, that all of our listeners yeah. who are in this position need to have a a statement ready to go. And in fact, yes. I often encourage folks to write something on a post-it or something, put it you know where you're going to take a call so that you can automatically oh, that's a good idea. go into like that. 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 Yeah, yeah. That that positive. You look at the post-it, you've practiced it. And no matter how bad the day is, no matter what the bill said that morning, you can go, hey, it's so good talking to you, Jack. You know, this is what I've been doing. This is what I want to do. And then you've got Jack on board um, and is enthusiastic about your job search as you are. So the call goes great. You've um, connected with somebody. They say, oh, Jack, I really want to work with you now. How can they help you get them to an offer?
2: So- be prepared. If you're, let's say, a mid to senior level person, even pre-COVID, there's a lot of interviews. <laughs> there, you, you're going to meet with the HR. You're going to meet with your manager. You're going to meet with your manager's manager. You're going to meet with your manager's manager's managers. You're going to meet with people who are you're going to interact with. So you got to be prepared. It's an endurance game. And one of the advantages of a recruiter is that they kind of know a lot of the insider information so then when you when you go through the interview process they can kind of give you a heads up hey you're going to meet jane and jane's really nice and but she's a big jet fan so she's not really happy lately because they're not doing well so maybe don't maybe be don't like if you like a different team please don't say anything negative about the jets it's going to set her off and you're not going to you're not going to perform well then you're gonna meet with Bill and here's what Bill is looking for. You need to say X, Y, and Z because that's where Bill needs the help. So with a good recruiter, as you go through the interview process, they could help kind of guide you, who you're gonna meet with and how you can position yourself because you wanna have a story to tell for all of them that's consistent. But you're gonna have to. You want to. You're gonna have to change it a little bit as you go along, because the way you speak to HR is gonna be very different than your manager. That's gonna be very different than your manager's big boss. That's very different than someone who is an important person from a different division who you're gonna interact with. So they'll be able to kind of give you those insights to arm you with the information how to succeed with each step along the way.
1: And I want to re-emphasize the, how important it is to listen to your recruiter and take their advice. Um, They know what they're doing and they're going for it. We talked a little bit during the break about the difference between an external and an internal recruiter in terms of this process. Um, And basically, typically, internal recruiters don't coach you through this process. So do you want to address that um, issue, internal or external, so so our listeners know?
2: Yeah, it used to be when I first started recruiting, you know, um, the average age of an internal human resource recruiter and they didn't call it talent acquisition back then. Now talent acquisition is a term they use a lot. Uh, they would be 35 to maybe 55. And they really knew their stuff. And they would coach you, just as I mentioned, how a recruiter would coach you through it. They would be that coach walking you through every step of the way, which was great. And if they dealt with the recruiter, they would give the feedback to the recruiter, who in turn would pass it on to the candidate. So it was really a lot of information flowing all the, all the way. Fast forward to now, with technologies it changed dramatically what i've seen in my opinion the more technology was put into human resources the less humane things became the less cold you know the more cold the more distant things became because you you, you cut out that back and forth does it still happen yes but it happens far less than it used to then you replace, because you spent all this money with technology, so to save money, instead of having that 40-year-old, 50-year-old person that you're paying this, you know, us, probably a pretty nice salary, you hire a 22-year-old, a 23-year-old, a 24-year-old. Now, nothing is wrong with a 22, 23, 24. My kids are going to be there not in that, that long of a time, and I think they're pretty smart, capable, great people. But there's a big difference in your knowledge base when you're 23 than 43. So what ends up happening? You have someone who's very young, inexperienced, and then they it. In the past, they would have people who specialized in certain sectors, so they knew it well. Now you might have that twenty-three-year-old being tasked with knowing how to place an accountant, how to place a salesperson, how to place an uh, uh, an executive assistant, how to place a trader, how to you know, and so on and so on. And it's almost impossible. So. It, they, they're put in this unfair space in that they have to know all these different jobs and it's 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 just it's just it doesn't work. It's broken because if you put me in after you know coming on 25 years of doing this and I had career you know uh, corporate experience before this, I don't know what a Java programmer is gonna do. I don't know with like you give me some of these you know coders and software engineers. I have no clue what they do. So I couldn't expect them to know with, with just a year of, of experience on their belt. So with the internal recruiters, it's, it's a different game. Now, do you have internal recruiters who are just hardcore, like, like recruiters like myself? Yes. Who they take pride and I'm going to go out there. I'm going to find the right person. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make the calls. I'm going to, you know, you comb LinkedIn. Absolutely. Do you have those? Yes. But I think as time goes on, there are less of those and more of the ones who are just I guess we'll call them hunters and gatherers. They're less of the hunters and more of the gatherers who just are getting the resume and they're not as proactive and not as active. And to be fair to them, think about it. anybody who spent any time in a corporation, if you're a young person starting out, you don't wanna do anything dumb to blow up your career. So you do a risk reward. So if you're a young person who's 23 and they get a resume from you know, a person and they're not sure if it's right and it's not sure if it's a fit and you're a little nervous about it, what do you think you're gonna do? you'll probably say, you know what? Let me put that resume aside. Let me see if I can find someone perfect. Because you're going to be afraid that if you send that resume to the hiring manager, the hiring manager looks at it and goes, huh, why did you give me this resume? This this has nothing to do with what we're hiring for. Who's training you? Who's who's your boss? Lorraine, I'm I'm going to just call Lorraine. You don't want that. So it's much easier from a risk-reward situation not to send it, not to forward it, and just wait to find something perfect so when they look at it go, oh my God, you're brilliant. You're great. Thank you. You found the exact what I'm looking for. So the incentives are all skewed. And, and it's just, just, it's not anyone's fault. It's just, this is how it's set up. It's just not set up the best way to make it work.
1: We are going to take a very short break and come back and talk to Jack a little bit more about what that external recruiter can do for you, including helping you negotiate that final salary. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at Voice
0: TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career Transition Specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today.
0: You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interview 2 That's Lorraine at interview2work.com. Now, back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Jack Kelly, an experienced external recruiter and advocate for job seekers. We were talking about the advantages of working with an external recruiter, the external recruiter giving you the insights and practice on interviewing this one other thing that external recruiters are very good at compared to internal recruiters, and that is helping with salary negotiations. So, Jack, you want to talk a little bit about how you help candidates? Yeah, that's do that one of the process. Best.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's one of the best ways recruiters could help. And because if you're negotiating your salary, um, I'm going to kind of garble this analogy, but it's like what they say about a lawyer representing him or herself in court, you know, that it's just not a really good thing to do because you just get too emotional and it could get you in a whole lot of trouble. Same thing, what happens? It's, it's such an unfair process if you think about it. So you go through all these interviews. Over six months, you meet about six to 10 people, you spend so much time and effort and then they give an offer and you want to negotiate it but now you got to negotiate it with your boss or the HR person and your boss and it's so awkward because these are the people you got to work with so you 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 of course want to get the most money possible but then you don't want to alienate the people on the other side so it puts you in such a bad it's like it's one of the worst positions to be put in when you when, when 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 you're looking for a job because then you might want to give up certain money because you don't want to come across as like that pushy guy, and that's uh, this is what I'm gonna have to deal with when Jack comes aboard. He's so obnoxious and so pushy. So if you have a recruiter in the middle, it softens it out because then you could say to the recruiter, you know, hey Jack, here's what I'm looking for. If I could get you know you know hundred thousand dollars, I'm really super happy and I'll accept. If I get ninety, uh, I'm still happy. And I, I'll still accept. If I get 85-ish, I'm going to hold my nose and maybe I'll take it. But I really would want something to know more about the bonuses and this and that. And if it's under that, I'm just not going to take it. So then the recruiter kind of knows, okay, how much can he or she push? They know what the person would really be happy getting. And they know what would they would say, no, thank you. So then they can go and prepare and negotiate. And what they could do is, like, say, the person wanted 100 they're gonna to say to, you know, hey, Lorraine, so my client is looking for about 125 on the base because they'll kind of put maybe a little bit of a, a cushion in there knowing that they're gonna kick back and, and you know, give it a little less. Now, maybe 125 when they want to 100 is a little too high. So maybe like, let's say 110-ish. And then the company's not stupid. So they're thinking, okay, if they're saying 125, 110, you know, maybe 105 or whatever, maybe even 100. And then the 100 is what you wanted. So it's like, all right, cool. So they could be the bad guy, the good guy, the in-between person, so that you don't have to be as a candidate going back. And then it's not just the offer, then you get an offer. And a lot of times you got to look at the benefits. You got to look at 401k, you know, maybe there's stock options. Maybe you left some some money behind this time of year. Maybe you get a bonus. And if you leave now, you could forsake your bonus. So then there's a bunch of legs. It's a, a, a lot of legs to the table. It's not just one leg, the salary. You want to know, Hey, what the bonus is going to be like. Can they buy out a bonus? You're leaving. What about benefits? What about stock? What about 401k contributions? What about vacation days, sick days and so on? So there's, a, there's sometimes a lot of back and forth. That is going to go on where, you know, you're happy with that hundred thousand salary, but then you find out there's no bonus. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I was making 90,000, but a $20,000 bonus. Now, if I don't get a bonus, why would I leave? It doesn't make sense. Oh no. Now if you're negotiating yourself, that that that's like punch a punch in the stomach, like, ah, oh. it's like you you tricked me, you know, it's like a, a bait and switch, which they probably didn't do. It's just big bureaucracy sometimes they don't communicate as well as they should. But if you have a recruiter, the recruiter can say, okay, let me take care of it, let me explain that maybe it's my fault as the recruiter. I didn't walk them through that you're leaving, that you had a nice bonus. So it's not just the salary, it's the bonus. And then they have to smooth it over. And this is where if you have a recruiter has a good relationship with the company comes in handy, because then they know that recruiter isn't just trying to gouge them for money. You know that recruiter is doing their best to make everybody happy. And they're not trying to pull a fast one. So then they'll kind of have a back and forth and try to work it out and try to work out the bonus, anything you left behind, vacation days, let's say, post-COVID, we're still going to have people who need to work at home, want to work from home. So those going to be things to negotiate too. And they get they get touchy. You know, you may not want to have to describe to, 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 to your prospective boss about how you have a sick relative you take care of. But if you have a recruit, because it gets emotional. And if they say, no, you can't do it, you're going to say, how dare you? I have a sick grandmother I have to care for, and I can't come in. If this is the kind of company you are, I'm not going to work here. And then but if you have somebody in between who could say, "Hey, Jack didn't want to bring it up, but he and his wife and kids they help take care for an elderly uh, family member, and there might be time to time where maybe they have to kind of be out of the office a little bit or they come in late. Is it, you know, is that okay? Can we work with that?" And they could smooth it out without the emotional attachment to it, because when you have that emotional attachment, it's, it's so hard to negotiate because you're now you're going on like you feel that taking advantage of you and and you're not thinking clearly, but if you have someone in the middle, they, they could kind of balance all these different things out.
1: You know, Jack, you have, you're doing some really exciting work right now because traditionally candidates have had to wait to be found. They beef up their LinkedIn, they wait to be found, but you just decided to kind of turn the tables. Can you share with our audience the the new project that well it's not maybe that new but the project you're working on your new company
2: yeah thanks because I you know I was gonna ask you if I could give a shameless plug so you just kind of get that me is the yeah, so you that's... wouldn't be
1: invited if we didn't love what you did so go for it
2: <laughs> yeah so we started uh, I want to say now six months ago because this pandemic I've you know we lose track of time uh, a platform called Recruiter, and the idea behind it and it's spelled kind of funky w e c r u i t r dot com and the we is because it's crowdsourcing, it's really trying to help people help each other to find a job because it's so darn hard now to find it and to go it alone is really difficult. So what we do is this, we have, you could join as a member and you could reach out to different members to say, hey, I love to work at company so-and-so. You find someone who works there and say, hey, can you help me out? Point me in the direction who's hiring there. And I'll send your resume. I really would appreciate it. We have a list of about 10,000 recruiters who work in all different kind of sectors across the whole country and we're building out internationally as well. So that whether you're in the fashion industry, film industry, you're an accountant, whatever it may be, the recruiters who specialize in So you could find, Hey, who are some recruiters who specialize in what I do? And you could contact them and say, Hey, here's who I am. And as Lorraine said, you have your kind of 30 second, you know, pitch about who you are. And they say, Oh, great. Yeah. That's the kind of jobs we have. Let's talk. Let's have a zoom meeting. We also just um, uploaded, I'd say roughly about two, 300-ish uh, career coaches and resume writers. So for people who are knocking their head against the wall saying, "How do I do my resume? I don't I think it's holding me back, you could find people who could help you with the resume. If you're like a lot of people now and you're starting to reassess like wh- what do I want to do with my life?" whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, I think we're all going through this right now where you realize not to not to go on, on a tangent, but we realize how fragile life is and how short it is given the COVID and start saying, do I really want to keep doing what I've been doing? You may want to sit with a coach, a career coach and get some guidance like, okay, what can I do? I only know my industry because I've been doing it for 20 years. Where can I pivot to? How can I reinvent myself? So we have career coaches and then we have all sorts of podcasts we have all sorts of vlogs we have all sorts of career i also um for less uh two probably come on three years now write for forbes as a senior contributor and focusing on career related matters so then we have lots of really interesting insightful articles that help you every way of the job search and also giving color on the market what's happening so it's it's i encourage you take a look um it's it's a really great way to help enhance your career meet other people uh we have these we meetups We'll have these Zoom calls where people could commiserate with one another. They could get job search advice, career advice, meet new people who could help out, meet new people who could kind of open the door for them and a lot more. So I I, I definitely, I appreciate anyone want to take a look. And then also because it's new and we just launched this in a startup, there's i I'm not gonna pretend. There's gonna be a lot of glitches, a lot of bugs. So let me know if there are things on there that are like, what the heck? Or if there are things that you would love to see on it please let me know because a lot of things we put on there really came for people because we were kind of beta testing it in real time and getting, and getting insight from people. Because given that we're doing it for the job seekers and people who want to you know advance their career, we want to hear from them and what they really want and they need. So feel free to also let me know if you're looking and say, hey, you know what would be great? Can you do X or can you do Y? And I'd be glad to, to listen and share it with my team and see what we could put it together.
1: You want to repeat how people can find you or your company on the web, whichever
3: way you want them to connect
2: you? Sure. Recruiter is W-E-C-R-U-I-T-R.com. And it's funny, right? Because you know, the name was uh, in part, and I got to give my wife credit coming up as we're walking the dog to dogs doing it. and But then it turned out it's such a tongue twister for a lot of people, but the we was more of it's like you're not going it alone, and we, meaning we could all work together and help. You don't have to be just a recruiter to help someone get a job. You could be anybody, you know, to help somebody else point in the right direction. So you can check out we dot uh, com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can search me by Jack Kelly. Uh, LinkedIn is probably where I probably spend the most time, and then. Um, on facebook you can check out we meet up if you like to join that as well That's a facebook group and uh, i'm on twitter as well not as active i got to turn that up a little bit i'd be curious what you like lorraine have you had success do you think that's a good medium for job seekers twitter
1: um i'm finding yes that is building really fast so um Jack I just want to thank you for coming on for sharing. Um usually we ask our guests to share the the 5 second challenge but actually I'm going to build on something that you said. Okay. 5 second challenge is to sit down and write the script for what you're going to say when that recruiter calls Perfect. so it's right there by your phone. Excellent. Um for those of you that are listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or another platform please leave comments This show is all about you and what you want to hear. So you can shoot me an email at careercentralhost at gmail.com if there's a topic you'd like to um, cover. Our guest next week will be Elizabeth Sanders Park, the author of one of my favorite books, No One is Unemployable. She will share her strategies for finding a job after a long break in employment or a major life-changing event. So remember, five-second challenge. As soon as you finish listening to this podcast, you're in a safe place. Write down what you're going to say when that recruiter calls you. Remember how to connect with Jack and his amazing new company. And until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.